Coming up this week, we'll talk about Kia's new EV. The U.S. federal tax credit may be extended. Ford and Volkswagen lose a battery supplier and more. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 52 of the EV Resource Podcast. My name is Zach Hurst, and each week I bring you the latest EV news, information, and answers to your questions about electric vehicles. Before we get started with the news this week, I want to thank our podcast partner, Titan Auto and Tire in Mosley, Virginia, for their support. Titan is one of the very few independent shops in Central Virginia that are qualified to work on EVs, and from hybrids to Hummers, they fix everything. For more information and to schedule an appointment for your vehicle, go to TitanAutoTire.com. That's TitanAutoTire.com. It has been another exciting week in the EV world. There is always a plethora of news to share. We'll kick things off with the possibility that the U.S. federal tax credit for EVs may be extended. The bill introduced by House Democrats this week is called the Growing Renewable Energy and Efficiency Now Act, or GREEN. The GREEN Act would, among other things, triple the electric vehicle credit cap for car makers from the current 200,000 unit limit to 600,000 cars, though that tax credit becomes 7,000 per vehicle after they pass the 200,000 mark, down from the $7,500 for the first 200,000 EVs sold. And given that Tesla and GM, for example, have already passed the 200,000 vehicle threshold, this would make for another 400,000 more customers for those companies potentially eligible for the $7,000 tax credit. So while this all sounds good, and I'm all for more incentives to push the transition to EVs, One of the bigger criticisms for the old policy was specifically about American companies like Tesla and GM being that they are the first to hit the target of that 200,000 cars. Then now all of their competitors have a significant competitive advantage by essentially having vehicles that will cost $7,500 less. And so by extending this to $600,000, we're really not changing that situation at all. I mean, take Tesla, for example. They will blow through an additional 400,000 vehicles sold in a year or less easily. So what a policy like this actually does is reward those companies that have been slow to transition to EVs. Take Toyota and Honda, for example. They're now going to have their vehicles be eligible for up to $7,500 up to the first 200 and then 7,000 up to 600,000 units long afterwards. Like that doesn't help do things now. So is it really making a difference? Maybe a better method would be to set an expiration date like 2025, you know, arbitrarily, for an example. And now we can watch all the companies scramble to build as many EVs as they can. You miss the date. Too bad. And there is a bunch more language in the bill pertaining to a ton of other topics. If you want to read through it, I will absolutely put a link in the show notes for you. Anyway, it is not set into law yet but it is likely to be adopted since the Democrats now hold a majority in the House, the Senate, and the White House, and for some reason, clean energy and electric transportation seems to be a partisan issue. 
Next from Plugin America, their 2020 EV consumer survey report is out and I'm going to summarize a few things that were pulled out of it and not read the entire report. That too, I will put in the show notes if you want to go ahead and read the entire thing. I'm gonna highlight four things that they point out that I think are fairly illuminating. First, they say that 96% of EV owners are likely to purchase another EV as their next vehicle. And I think that this really goes without saying that people know what they like, they know what is best for them or their family, and they will continue to spend money on what they believe is going to be in their best interest. EVs are better. Now, granted, my opinion is biased, but that is based on experience and Likely, if you're watching or listening to this, you're going to be nodding your head as well because we just know once you have an experience with an electric vehicle, rarely do you look at a gas car and go, hey, I like that better. It just doesn't happen. Moving on to the second thing, 85% of vehicle owners were satisfied with the information they needed to buy or lease an EV. And this one actually surprises me a little bit. I honestly would have thought that the number was a lot lower. I'm impressed actually, and quite happy to hear that people are getting what they think they need to know. However, I really think that there's a lot that people need to know or should know before buying an EV that they don't even know they know until after the fact. Maybe, I don't know. The third thing is not surprising at all. Only 15% of consumers rated dealership salesperson knowledge as quote, very high, and only 40% rated at high or better. These days, the consumer is likely to know way more about the EV they're buying than the salesperson. And honestly, I don't even know why we have car dealerships anymore anyway. And lastly, and this one hits home really hard, 54% of owners reported experiencing problems with public charging, with broken chargers being the number one issue. No big surprise here. I personally have documented my own experiences about this many times with my Spark EV and the issues that I've had with quite a few chargers. Luckily though, this is one area that in my own experience seems to be changing and at least for next year's report, their survey, I expect that this number will be a lot lower. So go ahead and read the entire report. Once again, the link is in the show notes. Let me know what you think. I honestly, there's quite a bit that I was surprised about and very happy to learn. Okay, on to our headline story. Next month, Kia intends to present its first EV model based on the eGMP or eGIMP platform, and they're currently calling it the CV. The all-new electric model should be launched this July and will have a range of more than 311 miles, ultra-fast charging capability with 62 miles of range being recharged in just four minutes, and as they say, a very strong acceleration, zero to 100 kilometers per hour, or 62 miles per hour, in three seconds. So that would put the zero to 60 miles per hour in less than three seconds, which admittedly is mighty quick. If true, those are some amazing numbers that would definitely make the vehicle very competitive depending on price, of course. As to what the vehicle will look like, I'm gonna speculate a little bit. We've already seen from inside EVs spy shots of a camouflaged crossover small SUV type of vehicle going around the Nürburgring. And if I were betting, I would say that this is likely what they intend to reveal. 
But after a trip to Kia's website and looking at their concept gallery, I can't help but wonder if the Imagine concept or the GT concept will be coming soon as well, or if one of those will be the vehicle with these amazing numbers. It's a good thing we don't have to wait long before we find out. Personally, I think that Kia is really sh making a strong shift towards performance and being more of an enthusiast brand. Take the Kia Stinger, for example. Any EV that they can make that'll be a strong, high-performance sedan or something on the sportier side of things will definitely help push things further and really appeal to people that want to have that energy in the vehicle that they drive. They want to feel it. They want to feel the road. It's not just something to get from point A to B. Next, I want to talk about Detroit Diesel. I know, talking about diesel on an EV podcast. Well, no, actually, Detroit Diesel is the name of a subsidiary of Daimler Trucks that recently announced that they will be producing the proprietary e-powertrain for use in Freightliner's upcoming e-Cascadia and e-M2 trucks. According to an article from The Drive, Detroit Diesel's e-powertrain operates at 400 volts and can be had in either single or dual motor configurations. The single motor setup delivers 180 horsepower and 11,500 pound-feet of torque, while the dual motor setup is good for 360 horsepower and 23,000 pound-feet of torque. The eCascadia and EM2 will be available with the buyer's choice of three battery sizes, 210, 315, or 475 kilowatt hours. Certainly when it comes to range, we can expect that that will actually produce a much less than what Tesla is coming up with with their semi that is yet to be made. Tesla says that they're going to have a 500 kilowatt hour battery pack in that. It's not likely to be argued that one of the biggest things holding back a massive shift to electric vehicles is the availability of battery cells. We need as many batteries as we can get. So if you're an auto manufacturer that has committed billions of dollars to transitioning to EVs, what would you say when one of your battery suppliers gets banned from doing business for the next 10 years? Well, comes to mind. But in the world of business, nothing is straightforward. Let's get to the history of this story. Roadshow by CNET shares... In May of 2019, the U.S. International Trade Commission voted to open an investigation into SK Innovation, a Korean battery supplier, based on allegations from their competitor, LG Chem, that SK Innovation stole valuable trade secrets regarding electric vehicle batteries. Now, the U.S. ITC has put out an official ruling, and it's not looking good for SK Innovation or the automakers who rely on their components. The U.S. ITC has handed SK Innovation a 10-year ban from importing EV battery components to the U.S., as Bloomberg reports, citing the U.S. ITC website. Following further allegations that SKA Innovation destroyed evidence that could help LG Chem prove its case, the US ITC came to its decision just this week, closing an investigation that began nearly two years ago. SK Innovation isn't being forced to stop work right away, though. The company has been given four years to continue importing components for the upcoming electric Ford F-150 variant, and it has been granted a two-year stay to do the same for Volkswagen's upcoming U.S. market EVs running on its MEB scalable electric vehicle architecture. 
It's likely that the vehicles in question will require some tweaks to accommodate batteries and other components from different suppliers, but the question of exactly how much work is required remains to be seen. According to Bloomberg, Ford told the USITC in May that, quote, EV batteries cannot simply be swapped like batteries in a flashlight, end quote. So it's obvious that this is not good news for Volkswagen or Ford. And while it's yet to be seen what kind of impact this will have for their development of EVs, certainly it's not looking like it's going to be anything good, especially for the Ford F-150 electric, considering that that's supposed to come out next year. And if they can't get enough battery cells, there might be a delay. Now, yes, I know that there's four years for the components from SK Innovation to be used for that. So that might give Ford a little bit of time, but certainly at some point they're going to have to switch their process and potentially the vehicle itself in order to continue smoothly. This may be a small win for Tesla as they continue to produce more EVs than any other manufacturer and continue to innovate and introduce more models. In fact, to that last point, it looks like the $25,000 car that was first mentioned in their Battery Day presentation will be a global model that's made in China. Teslarati states during a recent interview with Chinese state media outlet Xinhua Net, Tesla China president Tom Zhu discussed several aspects of the Tesla China's operations and plans within the country. Among the most notable topics he discussed was the highly anticipated $25,000 compact electric car, which will be designed in a dedicated research and development center in Gigafactory Shanghai and then sold worldwide. The China president noted that the construction of the research and development center is already underway. And considering the pace of Giga Shanghai's construction in both its phase one and phase two areas, there's a pretty good chance that the facility will be completed in the near future. And this site, Zhu remarked, will be the first Tesla research and development center on foreign soil. Interestingly enough, the executive also mentioned that Tesla China ultimately wishes to design, develop, and produce an original vehicle in the country that will be sold worldwide. Such a vehicle would likely make Tesla far more attainable to car buyers on account of its more affordable $25,000 price, and this would be an attainable goal considering the company's efforts to localize its vehicle production by using components from domestic providers. Ultimately, what all of this means is that by the end of this year, possibly next year, we will have a small, hopefully hatchback from Tesla to compete with the likes of the ID3 or the Volkswagen Golf. Uh, of course, they've stopped making the e-Golf. Um, for Europe, maybe the Renault Zoe. Uh, this could be a car that competes directly with those. And those are vehicles that sell very well in those markets. Here in the US, in North America, it might not sell as well, although... I, for one, would be all about buying that to replace my Chevy Spark EV. So that's all I have for you in the news segment. And as I mentioned in last week's podcast, the ending announcements and weekly Q&A will be audio only. So if you're watching the YouTube video and want to continue the podcast for those, go ahead over to our Patreon page or look up the EV Resource Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Before I end this video, though, I do want to thank 
all of you who have subscribed and been watching the YouTube videos we put out. This week, we hit two milestones, 250 subscribers and 25,000 video views. Thank you so much for watching. And if you aren't subscribed yet, what are you waiting for? This week's EV Q&A question is sponsored by Charged Future, an electric vehicle consultancy helping individuals and businesses achieve their EV and EV charging goals. If you're in the market for an EV or looking to add charging to your home or business, set up your free consultation today at chargedfuture.com. And should you choose to take advantage of any build services, mention EV Resource for a 10% discount. All right, and on to this week's EV Q&A question. Last week, I asked you all, what needs to happen in North America to get EVs to be 50% of new vehicle sales? And a lot of you were thinking along the same lines that I was thinking. Blake Donald said, longer range and more chargers, chargers everywhere. Melissa Perry agreed with him saying, longer range and more chargers that aren't just for Tesla vehicles. Robert Asher also agreed, saying longer range and more chargers. And also, for me personally, until EVs take over, all electric vehicles need to come equipped with a range extender like the BMW i3 has to cover it if you forget to charge or can't make it. And for context, Robert lives way out in the middle of, well, not nowhere, but there are not really a charger. Charging infrastructure isn't quite there. And our friend James Hart of the True North EV podcast says more level three chargers here in Canada, especially in the northern parts. John Bickford has a great idea. He says, stop subsidizing oil companies and let the price double overnight to its true cost. Andrew Goldberger says we need better education. Everyone I speak with has no idea that I can charge my car with a simple household outlet. While not ideal, it can be done and is done. They seem to think I need some special contraption. Andrew, I'm with you on that one. I actually have never installed a level two charger at my house. I charge my Spark EV on 110 and I've never needed to, to do anything other than that at home. Voltage Velocity Games has a great point too, saying proof of concept. Race on Sunday, sell on Monday still works. And side note, if you don't know about Voltage Velocity Games, they are an all-inclusive family festival celebrating everything electric. If that sounds as interesting to you as it does or as it did to me, check them out on Facebook or you can go to VoltageVelocityGames.com. And that's not an official plug. I just think that what they've got going is really cool, uh, as usual, with the things that I share. Um, okay, so the question I have for you all this week is this. What is one thing you learned after buying an EV that you wish you knew beforehand? So you can submit those to hello at ev-resource.com, that email. And as always, I'll read your answers out on next week's podcast. Moving on, my 2000 mile Model S road trip. That video is up now on YouTube for those that would be interested in watching it. Um, it was definitely an awesome trip, and I enjoyed reliving the moments while putting together the video. Those of you that don't have Teslas specifically would get a lot out of that video. 
I'm also working on the bonus episode for the Patreon producers and executive producers. This month's bonus episode will be all about EV battery charging. Things like what is a C rate, charging differences between lithium ion and other battery types, charging at extreme hot and extreme cold temperatures. And this one might seem obvious, but I trust me, it's not how and when to charge. Now, I'm getting very technical with this episode, so if it sounds like something that you want to learn about, head over to our Patreon page and make sure that you're signed up at the producer or executive producer tiers, and when I get that video out, you will get notified. So that is your show for this week. Thank you so much for watching or listening. I need to change that to say only listening. (laughs) Uh, Please share this with your friends, anybody that you think is going to get value out of this podcast or people that are interested in electric vehicles. Our Patreon executive producers are Tom Wiggins and Rajiv Narayan. If you would like to support the EV Resource podcast, you can check us out there at patreon.com slash EV Resource. I invite all of your feedback via email to hello at ev-resource.com. You can leave me a message on Patreon. You can find me on social media, whatever you want, Uh, or even leave a comment on the YouTube videos. That is great as well. I love interacting with people and answering questions there. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform that you're using to listen to it. That way, all of the future shows will get downloaded automatically and you won't have to go searching for EV Resource every week. If you do want to listen to any of the previous podcast shows, you can find them on our webpage under the podcast section and on many of the major podcast platforms. In fact, uh, I don't think that there's any major podcast platform that people use that the EV Resource podcast isn't uh, put on. So you should be good there. So thank you so much for being with me. Which me. Thank you. Thank you. Man, I can't talk right now. Okay, let's try that again. Thank you so much for being with me, and I'll catch you next week.